Listening to the Winnipeg Music Project on 101.5 UMFM. This is Ashley Bianyaj. Today I am here with Adam and Jordan. 
from Adam Henny and Co. <laughs> okay. Um, thank you so much for coming down today. This is mm-hmm. this is awesome. Uh, we actually met a month ago mm-hmm. at uh, the United Fiverr. Yeah. Which was exciting. You guys did add an amazing show. Likewise. Oh, yeah, those really I don't agree, but <laughs> it was a really good time. Mm, yeah. That was a lot of fun. Um, so, how about you guys uh, just start by telling me what exactly, or a little bit about Adam Haney and Co. Um, well, the project kind of started with um, me wanting to write. Uh, I wanted to push myself to to read redo the catalog of songs that I had been playing for people because I started playing for people when I was like 16 mm-hmm. and uh, I had it I had a good chunk of songs that I was playing at every show but I didn't wasn't fond of them so I decided to uh, to revamp it and the way that I wanted to do that was to write one song each month for one year and that was in 2012 mm-hmm. so um, I would write these songs and make a, uh, a YouTube video uh, every month of each tune and um <laughs> and uh and eventually uh around october um i was approached by uh a studio owner that i had worked with before to um to record the songs he was interested in producing them and uh, as we were recording jordan became uh part of the recording process and mm-hmm. then we decided to make a band out of some of the people that had been on the album and uh, a lot of those people have like come and gone uh, but Jordan's Jordan's been in it the whole time still here mm-hmm. <laughs> still here yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so when you were making the vid- videos was it always just you I'm assuming guitar or was it it was just acoustic guitar and, okay. and singing and, and then I guess throughout it you started adding or was it until you made the album you started adding other sounds and then that's when it was only when we started recording because okay. I just wanted to avoid any like frills and I just wanted to like really write um, a bunch of a bunch of new music and focus purely on like mm-hmm. the song and, and the basis of it mm-hmm. and it, you're not relying on like all this noise to mm-hmm. make it sound cool we okay. rely on a lot of noise now yeah oh it's, it, it works though but because it, it's got that good foundation right <laughs> um the great <laughs> all right so who would you say kind of inspires your music um or where do you get Im- your influence from well it's interesting because like this album having written it in 2012 um what we came out with was the album that I wanted to make back in like 2012, 2013. Mm-hmm. So the influences I have now don't really apply to, don't fully apply to the influences that kind of birthed that music. Mm-hmm. But for that music, it was a lot of like Radiohead and Arctic Monkeys. Okay. And what what influences your music now? Um, I'm I'm a big fan of like, pop music and electronic music right now. Okay, that's cool. Mm-hmm. So, can you, um, in any way, can you hear like that kind of transition in the music? Or even when people are hearing you perform now? Um, I think so. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but also I, I maybe not, just because like we don't stray into those boundaries too much yet. 
with the, with the new things we've been working on we are but sort of but even just like kind of the evolution of how we've been playing the songs like comparing how we're playing a lot of these tunes to how even how they're recorded or how we play them uh like a year and a half ago when we first started mm-hmm. like performing live um we've really kind of uh evolved with the songs as performers i think totally. which is really interesting like if you would have uh put us playing the exact same song uh side by side like as compared to a year and a half ago it would be really different and i think that kind of comes with um our like varying influences and slight changes in Mm -hmm. what we think and like makes a good song each member changed too yeah totally every Every time time. but for the better yeah i mean it just becomes more of a like more personalized i guess okay every time that's awesome we started with a completely different lineup other than me and adam when we first started and that had its own sound and then every time something changed every time we added like an instrument because we started with no keyboards mm-hmm. and now we have two keyboards and a sampler yeah mm-hmm. um i think that also comes from like when we were recording it was really like a goal for me to find people that i just thought were um good musicians yeah. and and i knew and knew what i would go- be going for more than uh more than someone that you'd have to like get to play an instrument and, and try and like mold yeah Okay. Mold their tracks. They kind of have their own their performance. Their own style. I just really encouraged people to, to, to do whatever they felt was really natural. Nice. And because I felt like that was the best way to get any performance out of anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and so every time that we have like a new member as well, it's kind of like the same thing where it kind of takes on a, a slightly different shape because each person plays a little bit differently and, mm-hmm. and plays into certain things more or yeah. less. Cool. So to kind of, I just want to understand the timeline better. So you were writing the music or you wrote, did you, you wrote the music for all of 2012 yeah. and you were, you were making the videos at the same time. Yeah. And at the end of every month. I at was the end of every month. Okay. That's cool. Um, and so the studio approached you while you were doing this project of 12 over 12. Yeah. About, about in October. Okay. Cause in the summertime I had been helping play like some guitar and some like, keyboards and stuff on another record that was being made at the studio okay and so th- um this is this 12 over 12 is being released now what why is there such a big kind of pause in between well um i have all these dates right now because we've been doing all the album credits and stuff but okay. we were recording like tracking all the instruments and stuff between february 2013 so that was like right after we finished yeah uh all the videos um and january 2015 mm-hmm. so it was like 23 months spent just putting all the music down okay. and then it took about six months of mixing to get it right mm-hmm. and then the mastering took about three or four months okay that was done out in montreal okay um with ryan Morey at gray market mastering and uh he, uh he was really helpful because um we really worked towards like getting a certain uh loudness perception out of the record without actually like 
slamming it. Okay. Um, and usually mastering wouldn't take three months, but we just were back and forth about that a lot. Um, it was definitely a process. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. from, even from the outside, because I didn't deal with Ryan directly at all, but I kind of got the updates as they were coming. And it was mm-hmm. really interesting to see how each one was different and kind of changed the entire feel of the whole album. And it's all about nuance. Mm-hmm. Making sure you get all the nuances right. Okay. Because we just felt with like a debut record nobody was really like there's no timeline for it people say you have your whole life to make your first record and six months to make your second record um really i've never heard that oh okay okay yeah (laughs) i'm also very new to the whole music thing no that's interesting (laughs) okay cool exactly so we took uh took four years Mm -hmm. but they were four years well spent though yeah you're happy with the Totally. totally. I mean, like, it was like I, I watched a lot of my friends go to university or do other things like that. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was really educational because I learned a lot about recording and I learned a lot about equipment and I figured other things that I like. Yeah. And so now, as we're making like new stuff, uh, it's really like we're just throwing it together so quickly because I know exactly what pieces of the puzzle I'm looking for now. That's Whereas awesome. before, it was like trying to like feel for it in the dark. Kind yeah. Of. Okay. Because I just had no idea. Nice. That's so exciting. So, how did how did um? Well, I guess he told me that you wanted to be in a in a in a band together. Why did you decide to be that? You choose the name Adam Haney and Co. Like, why not make a completely out of the air name? Um, it started with me not being comfortable with playing as a solo artist. Mm-hmm. Like to go back to why I even wanted a band was I just hated playing by myself and playing like acoustic guitar live. I would have loads of people come up to me and say like, A, you sound really great. B, here's a band, here's a solo artist, a folk artist I think you would really like. And I don't, I do listen obviously to s- some folk music and, and really enjoy a lot of folk artists, but my like real passion at the time was a lot of like indie rock, yeah. some pop music things like that and it's hard and so to do that when you're by yourself it's very hard to do it when you're by yourself mm-hmm. and it, it's doubly difficult and frustrating when people think that you are only interested yeah. in like solo acoustic music because oh, yeah. it 100% was not um, and I just wanted a bigger production out of everything so I wanted to avoid playing by myself as much as possible and I don't think I've played by myself in like except for like very rare occasions in like years okay and uh, so the idea of having a band was partly like to keep me like company on stage and have like some sort of collective and a collaboration and Mm -hmm. we had 12 people in total record on the entire record including myself yeah um so that in itself feels like a collective Mm -hmm. of just musicians that we had like three drummers yeah three drummers and like uh one other guitar player who played guitar in one song um keyboard player singer bunch of people um so it was just these ideas of like what co could stand for but i was also whenever you read like a a music publication instead of someone saying just to create like variation but in their writing instead of someone saying radiohead a million times sometimes they'll say tom york and co and i thought that's kind of an interesting it's cool yeah like like what if somebody's band name was that so we just kind of went for it Mm -hmm. awesome yeah i i agree with I don't like performing alone, but there's always this like assumption that if you're playing alone, you're, you're folk, or if you're playing acoustic, you're in this 
very grassroots That's the situation kind of, you want to be in, yeah. Yeah. That's, there's the assumption of that, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, like, I call myself a singer-songwriter, but when you hear singer-songwriter, you assume folk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of yeah. everyone's like, mind. And it's, I, I find that unfortunate because I don't, like, I, lo- I love folk music, but I don't, I, I personally don't think I sing folk music. I could be wrong. But <laughs> um, I totally agree with you. I, I, like, working with a whole band something I, I've always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And music sounds so much better with that full sound. And I think totally. that your album, and even any other performances I've seen you do, it sounds really great. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so we just heard a song about 12 minutes ago uh, called Manhattan. Can you tell me a little bit about that song? Um, it's very personal. Uh, it's <laughs> it's kind of the like emotional peak of the record. Are I you think. okay with talking about it? <laughs> I mean, personal? I could talk about it. Okay. Some, <laughs> um, it was a song that we wrote in, or that I guess I wrote in June uh, of 2012. So it was very much like the centerpiece of the album, and it's sort of mm-hmm. in the back three quarters of the track listing. Um, I don't know. What's like well it's it's some it's a premise of uh it's it's a very funny song because it talks about some selfish girl uh doing whatever and uh and the narrator's talking about this girl and and not realizing how uh selfish in itself it is to to feel that way okay has a lot of like adolescent um <laughs> <laughs> Has a lot of adolescent like passion mm-hmm. behind it, okay, and, and blindness to it. Um, so I think it's I, I feel I like it a lot because of its just rawness in that sense. Okay, um, a stream of consciousness. It is very stream of consciousness. Yeah, I actually remember looking through like my lyric booklet from that year, mm-hmm. and. Uh, there were no lyrics for that song in the booklet, so I must have just like came up with them. Just vomited. And yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. It came what the song was. Okay. Um, Interesting. I do remember writing it at like three in the morning. Mm-hmm. So that could have been why as well. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. All just in one sitting. I guess. Well, I I probably like got the majority of it down in one sitting, and then kept tweaking it over yeah. the course of the month. And mm-hmm. then as always because that's how yeah. most of them went you know you'd get this idea and you just sit there and work on it work on it work on it yeah yeah okay so you said that it's it's three quarters of the way in the album are the songs not in the order that you wrote no. them no no and why is that because it just flows better flows for better. a record okay but it also is kind of this fun thing inside the album artwork we have uh each song with the songs are paired with for uh, for one a photograph um, we have like 12 photographs that represent uh, each tune very specifically um, and uh, it also has the, the number that it was des- designated with because mm. Manhattan was 6 over 12 yeah um, so in it was called that for a super long time I just yeah they were just the YouTube videos <laughs> oh. were listed as as the numbers oh really and those were like the working titles in the studio until I came up with titles for all of them Mm-hmm. Um, okay. There's a few tracks that we didn't have a name for until like almost the end of 
like the tracking sessions and stuff like that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. <coughs> and why, um, Ma- why Manhattan then? Um, the, the song's about this girl going to New York, leaving the narrator behind. In, oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. You can tell that I <laughs> was really paying attention or no, listening to that. <laughs> so that's exciting. Um, what but is... Yeah, sorry. I, I actually... Oh, yeah. um, we missed that tangent. Um, yeah, no. The this each song has a has a number designated to it, and so uh, you can actually go. You can listen to the song in the in the the album in the way that it works kind of best as an album, as we think. Um, or you can look through the numbers and listen, listen to it chronologically. Oh, okay. And that's kind of like a, a year of my life mm-hmm. in terms of like the emotional roller coaster of an eighteen year old. That's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. That's actually really cool. I wanna. I can't wait to listen to all of it. I might go home and just go on YouTube and just listen to it and see what it sounds yeah. like. Um, so you took a year to write each month and everything. What is exactly the songwriting process for writing your music? Then or now? Hmm. Um, <laughs> let's say then, just because that's what we're talking about. But then how has it kind of evolved to what it is now? Uh, well, then it was a frantic like i need a song in 30 days yeah okay that's good motivation though yeah like i started the whole thing to really try and drive myself to write music Mm -hmm. um and it was super helpful and uh it would often kind of start off with i actually have this note in my iphone that i've that i'm still adding to today of just things that i think of that i like little like uh uh, phrases, words, individual words themselves, um, sometimes like whole verses and things, um, just whatever hits me when I'm out doing whatever. And I would sometimes just look through that and find a place to start. Okay. And if I got stuck, I would just like go back to it and try and find another thing that maybe I could relate or fit in. Um, it's great. There's been so many times where I've just, well, not maybe not so many, but just a couple times that I can remember off the top of my head where we're just like in the van together and I just say something dumb and you're like, oh, that's great. That's and great. And you just <laughs> put it in your phone. a little like, tapping <laughs> away on his iPhone. That's funny. It <laughs> so happens a lot. Mistakes. Yeah. Like, if people say something that's like a little bit strange, like one of the lyrics that I remember uh, doing that with was um, in a song on the record called Howl Part 2. There's a lyric uh, called How's Your Weather Today? Or it, it goes, how's your weather today? And um, that just was someone saying, trying to, their brain was thinking of two things at the same time. What's the weather like? And then what are you doing? Yeah. And I thought that was interesting. The, mm-hmm. the idea of just like, you know, someone's mood being their weather. Yeah. L- little things like that. That's so cool. that sort of thing, anything that would come to mind. And uh, yeah, eventually you'd piece together a song or... Um, like Manhattan. Manhattan was kind of the turning point in terms of the writing mm-hmm. because things got more fully fleshed out and 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 uh, and broader when it came to the the individual songs for the rest of the year. Yeah. So it was it was kind of piecing it together at first and then eventually it became this really natural um, stream of consciousness mm-hmm. for a lot of the songs. And then I didn't write any music for about two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what we did in those in, in 
in those two years and the year before of writing was like meticulously dissect everything yeah and really like analyze everything and make sure it was like absolutely perfect in the in the studio like a lot of the lyrics changed in some songs that weren't like super strong some of them stayed exactly the most of them stayed exactly the same yeah but um uh just that like overanalyzing and spending loads and loads of time working on the same music kind of led me to now having this desire for immediacy and just like Mm -hmm. first impulse going for it and that's it so right now it's 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 more just immediate Mm -hmm. what we're the way that we've been writing things now okay um i just i'm i always like to ask about songwriting but so when you're um when you're writing a song how do you overcome like that that like kind of like internal like should i be sharing this with the world like these are my emotions how i feel like these are my skeletons in the closet how do you get over the fact that people are gonna be listening to this and you're gonna be so vulnerable um when i was writing those songs i didn't really care it was kind of uh it was kind of Mm self-destructive and uh the fact that i would have to write this really emotional material and then release it right away and everybody would know exactly how i'm feeling or like what's going on in my life uh later on that kind of bothered me but not in the moment because i all i cared about was a good song Mm -hmm. if the song was good i just didn't care about how people interpreted it or whatever because i feel like a lot of a lot of art is good because it's you know either shocking or really bare um and very vulnerable uh and i think now i would certainly like to keep a little bit more to myself but i don't know if that will be the case who knows Mm -hmm. i definitely don't factor it in a thing that i you know i really not to sound too cliche but i feel like i live for this sort of thing for writing music and and sharing music with people and stories with people Mm -hmm. um so to to be afraid of doing that in any capacity would only be a hindrance and okay i guess i guess that makes sense (laughs) um that's just my biggest my biggest fear is like i'll be writing something i'm like oh if i write this people are gonna know this is how i feel about this certain thing and what if people don't agree with that or what people don't like the chord progression i chose to i don't know my head's a little weird no that's absolutely um, something that goes through everybody's mind i think i guess i hope so because then i feel a little less bizarre so I, I will say though that um the people that i've written about have like you know, like i manhattan's kind of like a rough song and the the person that uh that it was like kind of based around um their reaction was it's a great song instead of being did, like did they really know, upset do they know it was about them oh absolutely oh, okay yeah I was I was in like a four and a half year relationship at the time mm-hmm. um, that sort of ended with that song. Uh, so it was very public in that sense. Yeah. But um, their reaction was that it was a great song mm-hmm. and, uh, and and they really liked it, even though it was, you know, this potentially kind of hurtful thing. Um, so, yeah, even though it's very like out there i think anybody in your life that really like cares about what you're doing and about your mm-hmm. art or about your music will understand yeah because it seems to 
that kind of just seems to be how it's gone for me, I guess. I mm -hmm. Well, it works for you. So let's say um, you, that's kind of like thinking about now, like your songwriting, you finished writing a song and it's, you have this great melody line, chord progression in your head, the lyrics are pretty much solid. How are you bringing that to your your co now, your band? Um, or the band? Basically with whatever I've got. Okay. I uh, just present it to them and I say I'm thinking of something like this and then they do it better than what I imagined and mm -hmm. but still like in the same vein and Okay. So what that's that's kinda how it was for for a lot of the music on the album too. Just like having the basis of a having a strong basis of the song, getting people in and, and uh, letting them kinda do their thing with like very subtle direction. So what's going through your head when he brings you a song like or brings you a song and like when you're listening to it what are you thinking about well a lot of the times <coughs> i'm just trying to basically do the song justice on my end because a lot of the times i presented especially when we were recording the album like i had known these songs for a long time and we had been taking it really slowly and it was one song at a time mm -hmm. so i would be coming into the studio and doing the song and not really knowing what song was next and not really being able to start trying to figure out what it would be like because a lot of the times there was a lot of work done on the song from the acoustic track to where I would then become a part of it. Um, so it was always kind of like a shock to hear what it was like after knowing the song as like a YouTube video mm -hmm. with an acoustic guitar for so long. Yeah. Um, so, th you know, th it was, it was just always kind of what ended up being on the record, especially was mostly just kind of first intuitions of what I thought it should be like. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. and it was just kind of like, there was never any time spent like slaving over, um, what the bass part should be and kind of stuff. It was always just like. This is this sounds good. Let's just roll with this. Okay. Um, and then, I think that's how it went for a lot of different things that Adam didn't do, because I knew that the stuff that Adam recorded, that was a lot of like. <laughs> well, that sound. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was a lot of, like, going back and forth between him and uh, Anthony, the producer. Okay. Um. And when it c came time for anybody else to do anything like that. I think h half the reason that the album's so interesting and different uh, is just because uh, everybody that played on it um, kind of just went for it, and it became part of the album almost instantaneously. And then those layers were built on top of each other, and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and now <coughs> then we've just only recently started kind of writing more songs just in preparation for what's to come after this album comes out and um it hasn't been we haven't done too too much work on stuff i mean like adam has some really cool ideas and i'm still struggling with what sounds good on them because it's but it's this time instead of just having a bass guitar you have like a bunch of pedals and yeah. two keyboards in front of you yeah exactly like so many options yeah many options it's a lot it's a lot easier to go to have adam send me the song and me sit in my bedroom and figure it out on my bass, not even plugged in or anything like that. And just like, oh, that sounds good. 
uh, compared to like when we're at our practice space and he's like, okay, here's the part. I'm like, what instrument do I play? Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, so. So you, you play bass and keyboards and pedals, what you said? Uh, yeah, like guitar pedals. Oh, okay. Like yeah. when we recorded. I'm like, I don't know what instrument pedals is. That makes <laughs> more sense, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it, the, the th- mostly the thing was when we recorded a lot of guitars and uh, and, and bass, um, there weren't a lot of pedals involved. Mm-hmm. If anybody that's listening knows anything about pedals, this will be very dumbed down, but anybody who doesn't, um, to simulate a cranked amplifier, often people use fuzz or overdrive or distortion or anything like that, uh, pedals, and that can keep the volume down and it can make your amp sound like a lot of different things, but instead of uh, using those, because those are sometimes considered by most people to not sound as good. I did air quotes there, by the way. Yeah, um, <laughs> like, I don't know if they can see that. But uh, <laughs> Most people might consider those to not sound as good as like actually cranking an amplifier and our producer was one of those people so like we didn't use any like overdrive sort of effects so Jordan mostly has like things like that on his pedal board which are great for a live situation um but in the studio we just we had like we had a 64 Fender Bassman mm-hmm. a 65 Fender Bassman an Ampeg SVT reissue yeah two different ones yeah um and this 67 Sun oh, Sonaro yeah, about that, sun. that we basically almost blew up. Yeah. Um, a lot of like vintage low watt amps, okay. besides the SVTs, which are very high wattage and they're mm-hmm. very clean. Um, these these low watt amps distort very easily, and we would just turn them up really loud, and that's just how we got a lot em. of the bass sounds and stuff, and a lot of the guitar sounds. There's even more guitar amps. Um, uh, so yeah, pedals become now a thing that again about the immediacy instead of like because n- anybody who listens to the album is not going to point out like oh that's a pre-CBS 1964 Fender basement on that track that's not going to be yeah that's not going to be the thing and as much as that was a really fun experience and super great uh, to get to do in the environment we were in yeah. um, I just don't really care no like I'm not a snob if something sounds good it sounds good I don't care how someone got there Yeah. I love seeing someone get the sound of a $3,000 guitar out of a $300 guitar and I see it all the time yeah you know I'm amazed with so many musicians that do that and even though like we have some more expensive instruments um that's like it's just either what we've happened to purchase or come across or it's just what feels right to us okay. yeah, just what's what we like the most yeah or it has the right features or something yeah. mm-hmm. so yeah the new material is very uh interested in like just immediacy and having these all of these options it's um, going to be a completely different recording experience different recording and experience and yeah it's going to be like the i think polar opposite pretty much absolutely like which is really fun and interesting i remember reading about jeff tweedy from oco never wanting to repeat himself mm-hmm. to the degree where you know he would spend something like two three or four years making a record and then the next record he would want to make it in six months and I like that idea of just like never repeating yourself and always yeah. trying to, if not completely change what you're doing, at least do the opposite the next time so that you get something fresh going cool. on and you don't get stuck in these constant loops. Because I can't imagine doing another. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Yeah, someone's laughing in the other room, but I don't. I don't think That's they can all hear good. it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
The only thing you can usually hear is Jared laughing because <laughs> he has a very loud laugh. Anyway, <laughs> keep going. Um, what was I saying? Talking about not repeating yourself. Yeah. I don't remember where I was going. Oh, uh, that's okay. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a really interesting idea. Like I, could I think, yeah, I think they got the gist. Yeah, no, yeah. Um, so I, um, I noticed, I see you guys' name everywhere, like all over social media, all over like posters. Really? Yeah, I see it everywhere. So I know that you've been performing a lot. Well, that's good to know. Yeah, we, no, we yeah. To, <laughs> you're, you're doing something right. Because I'm, I'm I see it, I see it on posters and stuff like that. And I'm just like, oh, sweet. Yeah. I, don't, I don't get out much, so. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. well. <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm, I'm always seeing it everywhere, so I know that you guys are performing a lot. Um, what are some of the stresses you have to do deal with, either internally or just like, as a performer and musician? Like, what is that you have to go through as, as a performer? Not forgetting our stuff. Yeah, that's been an issue we lost lately. A couple yeah. pieces of equipment the last couple. Just of lately, days. like oh. we've been so good about it. Like yeah, for like <laughs> over a year. Like leaving it there. I or something. Something like <laughs> we don't. One of our cables no. went missing, and two of our keyboard stands went missing. And oh, uh, it's and yeah, things really you couldn't tell you. To just like misplaced. Yeah. So we don't really know what happened. So that's a that's a thing. Okay. That's a stress. That's stressful. <laughs> that's expensive. That's expensive thing to work. At with. least like the things that we've lost haven't been like pedal boards yeah. or, yeah, or keyboards or keyboards or you need to pay for a new cable every single time yeah well <laughs> this is the only time we've ever lost something and it's really? not gonna happen anymore no. <laughs> i'm you just like, like so done like with it now we do have yeah. loads of stuff like it's it is it was all stuff yeah. that you use not to put the blame on you just to <laughs> just, no. to, just to set up the, no, the totally. basis of that you have an amp there's so uh, much bass guitar, so much stuff a pedal board two keyboards two keyboard stands and actually a keyboard amp. So that's eight pieces of gear. Yeah. Not counting all the cables for that. Yeah. So, you know, I can't, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I'm not surprised that that happened once. No, no. But There's a lot, yeah, that's, yeah. that's funny though. Just like, I, I don't know who it was, but it is all <laughs> of your stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have a very passive aggressive relationship. <laughs> no, that's no. funny. <laughs> All right, so is that the only thing that you're, that stresses you out, is losing equipment? I think the, the, the hardest part about it for me is I don't have a car. Mm. <laughs> and Getting places, yeah. Getting it's, places it's is... It's not easy sometimes. It's, it's, it's never, like, all that stressful, I don't think. But I also for a three-person band, we have a lot of stuff. Yeah. Which makes, makes that doubly difficult. Yeah, totally. Um. Mm-hmm. So there's only three of you performing, and you said you have like 12 people playing in the record. Yeah. How does that sound transfer over to like a live performance? Does it, does it still sound like? We think it sounds great. Yeah, it's uh, definitely different. Okay. It's a. Uh, it was only recently when we started playing as a three piece mm -hmm. that we had a lot of people who had seen us play as because we used to play always as a four piece um, with an extra guitar and like keyboard player, um, and it was only since we started. Uh, playing as a three-piece that a lot of the people that had seen us before said like this is way better and this is much more interesting mm. um so did it do you know why you think it's more interesting i've gotten varying reviews i think personally for me it's more interesting because we have more limitations and we are forced to get a little bit more creative with how we're yeah. making yeah, making like up for the lost sound of mm -hmm. a fourth person okay. is like covering those frequencies yeah and it is just like sometimes thinking about it more technically, thinking about like each thing in a different frequency range, how like, you know, the bass inhabits one and certain keyboard or patches and samples inhabits others and the guitar and the vocals inhabit 
different ones as well. Just making okay. sure all of that is is filled at the correct times can you know fill up the uh, fill up the mix quite nicely. And like sometimes if you have two guitars, you can mess that up more than if you have one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just you know we made a lot of really subtle changes uh, that made a big difference. Okay, I think just like even stuff with just uh, the way that I'm playing some of the bass lines and stuff like that and like the effects that I have running. Mm -hmm. Just subtle little things that we never really thought of until we had to. Like we're like, where are we gonna get this sound back? Like how are we gonna like account for this frequency in this song? It's like, well, if we just, you know, change this up a little bit uh, change the way we're doing this just just yeah. a little bit and then it makes a world of difference and you're like hey wait why weren't we always doing that like it really forces you to become creative and that's really been fun okay. and, and look at things differently too because yeah. like you know normally a lot of guitar players when they get into like effects especially when they get into reverb they just want to drench everything in reverb and I like have actively avoided using the reverb pedal for a while until we started playing as a three-piece. And uh, I have this great spring reverb on my amp that I love, but I added this reverb pedal into the mix to add just a little bit more space and dimension. And um, instead of that making it muddy, it ends up feeling a lot larger, Yeah, which is a nice effect. Yeah. It's just like the simple like sound design mm-hmm. ideas like that that okay. have just helped fill it out without doing anything really too different. I'm also playing a lot more guitar yeah. Covering more guitar parts. Because, mm-hmm. like, most of the songs have, like, seven guitar tracks on them. So we used to boil that down to, like, two. Yeah. But now we're boiling down to one. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah. That's interesting. It is <laughs> Sounds interesting. like a lot of um, work. That's crazy. It's, there's so much um, technical stuff you're worried about. Do you have any advice for um, beginner musicians or just people who are just starting out a band and want to start getting into, like, all this, this extra noise they want to add to their mm-hmm. I say I say no that's not in a bad way no, like totally. <laughs> the <laughs> loudness yeah how do you have any advice for them to learn h- how to do this kind of stuff or where they can kind of my advice out? for anything like that and anything like songwriting or anything is you just do it you just have to do it okay. and you'll learn from experience and that's 100% the best way to do it because mm-hmm. me saying you know A plus B results in C yeah works only for me no one else is going to get that same result because everyone is a different player. That's true. Everyone has access to different equipment and different um, has has wildly different influences, and will do things slightly differently. Yeah. Um, so there's no like formula for it. It just all depends on like what you uh, what you like because everything about music is completely subjective. Yeah. Anything that I think is good, you could say is terrible, and you're fully entitled to that opinion. Um, mm-hmm. So my advice is always just do it. If you want to do that, if you like that sort of thing, just do it. But, ha- that's but how? How? how like you, I know experience, like to figure it out. But like, I say if if I wanted to start, I have actually no idea. Like what we were just talking about. I'm like, yeah, that's not. I have no idea what we're talking about. How would I get started on that? Like, what? Where should I look to? What should I buy first as um, a baby step? Uh, <laughs> that's that's hard. Because well, it, you know, you gotta like what you what you like and what you're like, what kind of sound you want to accomplish, and then you gotta, you know, I'll, uh, I think a good place to start with stuff like that 
Um, like when you're like, I want to get my first effect pedal or, you know, anything like that is just looking at what kind of music you want to be making and then, okay. uh, figuring out what the sounds are that you like about it. Not just like the songwriting that you like about it, but like the reason that you like it based on sound and stuff like that. I will also add that, uh, I've never bought, I've rarely bought something with an immediate use for it. Half of the time, I'm usually buying things that I like. Okay. And that inspire me. Um, and, I, and I don't have a place for it yet, but if it inspires you, you'll make room for it because you'll write something with it or you'll be, In mind, yeah. okay. or you'll be influenced to, to do something different or mm-hmm. anything like that. Like, you know, I bought a Moog synth that Jordan uses uh, because we have like we had like two or three songs that incorporate a bass synthesizer but um, I just like how it sounds and it's yeah. a great sounding synthesizer and it's really inspiring to use and it's more a purchase for the future to yeah. to like it's an investment of course yeah it's an investment in your music because if you have it you're going to use it if you don't have it you're never going to use it Yeah. so if everybody if anybody ever asks me you know like do I need this effect or this thing? You're never going to need it unless you have it and you find a place for it. Mm-hmm. Rarely are you going to come across something and say, you know what, this needs, it needs that, unless you have experience with yeah. those specific things. So, so again, just do yeah. it. You just so got to like whatever you like, whatever you like the sound of, figure out what it is, yeah. figure out how to get it, figure out, you know, if it's at your local store, if you need to pay like, you know, $10,000 on eBay, whatever uh. you got to do, just do it if that's what you want, you know? Okay. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to say that that's just I don't if I don't know how to word this don't actually do pay ten thousand dollars or something if you don't know how to use it I'll just say that um but uh, yeah I'm but I'm getting the story is just buy everything and play with everything and just you'll figure out what you keep, like keep trying yeah just yeah go for yeah. it if you don't like it bring it back to the store yeah, yeah we'll sell it that's true that's a thing know. we've done a lot of also yeah so I'm gonna like, go oh, buy cool. um, a drum kit after this and yeah. figure out how to use it yeah, plays, that plays said, equipment is never going to make you better. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, never, never rely on equipment to make something more interesting or better. Mm-hmm. It can add, but it can. I don't know. It'll if something's not good, it won't make it. That's true. Good. That's true. Um. So, how do you balance music with life? Uh, I had to space it out very, for some reason. Very, very perilously, I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Just go to, like, I just have a part-time job. Um, uh-huh. And uh, I spend most of my time just, like, doing whatever I need to do with with music, anything that I'm, you know, working towards, mm-hmm. spending time on that. During recording the album, I had a I didn't have a part time job, and I actually had this great gig where I was playing at this pub two nights a week, and that was paying for the entire record. Wow, um, pretty nicely. Um, and uh, we'd record during the day, and then I'd go play at night, and that was a really good uh, that was a really good situation. But that didn't last, and I had to get a job, and mm-hmm. I, you know kept doing the same thing. You just like gotta invest all your time into it, basically. It is it, it's its own job. It takes 
you know, more hours a week than than any job that you have any any job at this age <laughs> yeah. would would uh would take. So that's, that's a scary commitment though. Like I like Oh yeah. Yep. I mean I put in out of my own pocket about twenty five thousand dollars uh into the album over like recording, mixing and mastering and <laughs> over the over the course of like, you know, two or three years. You know that pays that, that much pays for a degree. Oh, in, totally. In Manitoba. Exactly, yeah. That pays for a lot of things. Yeah, that pays for a yeah. lot. Uh, you buy a car, even. But I you made this record that some two. people... <laughs> I, I made this record that some people might not even pay $10 for. Yeah. But it's not about that. It's not about, you know, making that money back. Because... As it's about make something you're proud of. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. this record, uh, a lot of people had said to me, when I told them, like, the premise of it, they're like, oh, that's really great, because you'll be able to look back on this, and it'll be like a little diary of year of your life you can like show your family or your grandkids or whatever you want and that's totally true and like that entire year I don't have a great like memory as most people would attest to but that entire year is very vivid to me because of that that's awesome um, so it has its own value if y- even if it's not like monetary and like you said it pays that sort of money pays for like a degree but what I learned recording is yeah just as valuable to me mm-hmm. and it's put me in a couple positions where you know I've gotten to work in a in a session or gotten to play with someone or do something that I wouldn't have otherwise been able to do had I not, you know Yeah. Put yourself out known there. Yeah. about certain technical aspects or had the experience of doing this or that. Cool. So it has its benefits. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I would never mm-hmm. recommend someone does that. No. For me <laughs> it was like the only option I had. Okay. Because by the time I found other options I was kind of in too deep. Um but just so you know the listener uh there's this wonderful thing called grants the government will give you money yeah to make records as long as you have a plan as long as you have a very good plan so if you can write that out uh and submit it to them following their guidelines uh you can get quite a bit of money to mm-hmm. to make whatever you want and that's really great yeah which we now take advantage yeah. of we it, now take advantage yeah of. and even if you don't know how to write a grant they have people that will tell you how to you write can it pay people to write grants too Oh yeah, that's Paper true. Grants. Um, also, Manitoba Music is the best resource in the entire Manitoba world. Music's amazing. Go sign up for Manitoba Music. Yeah, <laughs> if you're in Manitoba, if you're in other Seriously, parts of Canada, it's unreal. It's yeah. Loads of other options. I have musicians from other provinces telling me, like, I wish we had something like Manitoba Music. Yeah, like it's unbelievable. Although the flip side is like Vancouver or BC has this peak performance. I don't know if you've heard about that. Um, Calgary and. Calgary Cal- is it too? Yeah, Calgary and Vancouver. How um, many years has it been going? Do you like, know? F- I think five in BC. Peak performance? Five years, yeah. yeah. Peak performance. If you're a resident of, if two members of your band, or if you personally, if you're a solo artist or a resident of BC or Alberta, um, you can enter this contest where the winners get, uh, it's put on by one o- one it's, I think it's like 102. It's just, it's just the same number as the radio station. Yeah. You get okay. like $102,000. If you win, yeah, and the and the runners up get like forty. We don't 000. have peak radio. Yeah, we don't <laughs> have that sort of funding, I guess. But, but we have Manitoba Music, and that's yeah, we have that's like great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Manitoba Film Music and Factors across the country, and that's great. Yes. Um, can't really complain. Yeah, no, yeah, we're pretty spoiled. But a lot of great bands have come out of the peak performance thing. Like mm-hmm. We Are the City was the first winner of that, and oh really? We love them, yeah. yeah. And that seemed to like. I mean, I don't know them personally. I don't know. Uh, how this affected their careers, but it seemed to set them up quite nicely mm-hmm. to, no. to create more stuff. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, $1,000 <laughs> could do that. Yeah, 
Um, oh, maybe. We might, not, we might not have that here, but we have great other resources yeah, that absolutely. we mentioned before. And like I said, you get, if you're, when you're limited, I don't know if it's really limited, but you get to get creative. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So yeah. It's cool. So, um, I have a couple more questions. I know we're going to have to start slowly winding up, but yeah. what, uh, what is the best advice someone has told you since you started being involved in the music business or the music community? Oof. <laughs> I usually think about these quotes all the time. <laughs> I don't know. Um. Oh, I think one that I saw recently, I think it was an Aiden Knight quote. Um, Every record you've ever heard has been made with a compromise. Yeah. Oh, okay. And Um, what do you take from that? Just that nothing you ever make is going to be like 100% perfect exactly the way you imagined it or exactly what you wanted out of the situation. Um, And other people aren't necessarily going to assess it as like, you know, it's mm-hmm. 99% there, but I hear the artist, you know, miss this one little thing that they must have wanted to do. People are going to interpret the music in a million different ways. Yeah. Um, and even though it might not be the exact perfect thing that you want, as much as you should try, strive for uh, for your, like, your vision, mm-hmm. I fully believe in that, um, okay. and try to not let compromise get in the way. Um, it's very true. Everything you've ever heard has been made with a compromise. Yes. Nothing's ever been, you know, 100% exactly the way that the artist wanted it to turn out. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine that anything would be, you know? Okay. That's, that makes sense. Um, yeah. I agree with that. Do you have any advice? Oh, um... Nope. <laughs> um, I mean, not not really. I... I like a lot of the people that I directly talk to music about, um, about half of them are sitting in this room right now. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when I'm not, you know, with you Adam attempting to make music, business very much? not really like outside of us working on stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's not a lot of times that I'm, you know, you don't listen to other people. I don't really talk to <laughs> like, industry professionals or anything that much because or even just like friends or family yeah i mean um i'm kind of like the the uh you know vagrant black sheep like not i wouldn't say black sheep like but all the rest of my family is like very like they they have like a career path and know what they're doing and i'm just my family's super supportive and that's awesome yeah uh they love like love seeing me perform and yeah. stuff like that but uh i'm kind of this is kind of like the first time for them having yeah. like a family member that's Do kind music? of not you know following a, a kind of set path right out of school and stuff like that and okay um so mm-hmm. cool i don't know it's it, it's kind of uh encouraged me to i guess stay like my family's been really encouraging to gonna help me stay humble and uh just keep my head down and continue working on everything as much as i can just because i mean they've all like gained some sort of success by working really hard at it and getting to where they want to be and i think that's rubbed off on me just not not direct advice but like just kind of a general attitude of inspiration yeah Yeah. how to how to like do what you want to do kind of thing because everyone in my family pretty much did what they wanted Mm -hmm. to do for the most part you know they 
strived to, you know, have a good career and, uh, you know, raise a good family and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I guess that's about, yeah, that's great. good advice. No, that's, that's <laughs> great. That's great. Um, I actually so thought of another great quote. Okay, sure. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. It's a really short one. Yeah. Uh, Josh Hame from Queens of the Stone Age. Okay. Um, who we love. Love that band. Yeah. Uh, I think it was his grandfather that said it to him. Actually, he has two great ones that I remember. One of them is, uh, if you expect anything from music, you expect too much. Oh, okay. I like that. And I'm trying. the other one was about... Uh, his grandfather said to him if you're going to be different you have to expect people to like try to knock you down I think the phrase that they used was a little bit abrasive is to throw rocks at you so you better oh. learn to write to like rocks oh okay <laughs> that sort of thing I yeah. alright rocks but um, I encouraging I, to be different yeah. encouraging to always but be prepared for like someone to negative yeah. reaction oh absolutely yeah. you're that's always going to get that's with that. any art yeah, that's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that one too, though. That's good. If you're expressing yourself, it's going to happen. <laughs> so we've been talking about the album, but we haven't actually yeah. talked about the release date. Um, right. <laughs> we should talk about that. Um, it's on Thursday, March 3rd uh, at the Goodwill Social Club at 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. Um, doors open at 8, but the show starts at 9. Yeah. Yeah. Um, tickets are $10 in advance, but $12 at the door. Where can people buy these tickets in advance? Uh, I believe there'll be some online some of the goodwill themselves okay. and the bands will also have them mm-hmm. yeah so us and heartbeat city and paisley will have tickets oh okay that that's awesome that you can purchase i know them mm-hmm. not personally but I've, I've heard them um that's so exciting uh where can people and so until then where can people find you online um we have facebook mm-hmm facebook.com slash adam hanny music that's uh, probably the best like n- updates yeah and stuff like that we and, do like, have a website but it just links to all of our uh, social media at this point yeah i was looking at it and i'm like okay well i've already seen everything else so yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no it's it, yeah it's not it's like a portal more it's a portal yeah. totally yeah. um we did just put out a music video for two songs on that's the right. album we recorded them live at private ear uh studios it's for the songs howl and howl part two um, and you can find that uh, at youtube.com slash Adam Hanny. Um, oh, you actually have the um, the link that leads to Adam? Because I know YouTube's weird about that. That should be the link that works. Okay. If not, it's definitely on our Facebook mm-hmm. uh, being posted frequently. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's around. The only reason I'm asking because I um <laughs> on on my vlog I have the YouTube thing but it doesn't actually link because YouTube is really weird. As long you have to have a certain amount of subscribers to be able to have the actual oh. link. Okay. Oh, weird. So, just if you didn't know, <laughs> fun fact: the that. more you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's important. Uh, it's frustrating too because like I didn't know that and I clicked it. It's like, what the hell? <laughs> 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 I've, I've had this on here for like six months and I didn't know that. Yeah. That's great. Um, so we're actually about to hear um, a song called "Architects." Um, I first heard the song when you were. Oh, we didn't talk about the United Fiber. That sucks. Um, <laughs> it's fine. Um, it's in the past. Yeah. Well, so that's how I kind of l- learned about your music. Um, mm. But that's the song you used to audition for, I guess. Yeah. That's audition. I use air quotes. Um, yeah, air quotes. I thought it was a great um, song. Can you tell me a little bit about um, Architects? Um, it 
Uh, it's probably our favorite song on the record. It's always our cl- tends our to be our closer. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's our live. It has yeah. a really iconic sound. Like when I, I heard it playing at the Goodwill at the United Fiber, I'm like, hey, that's the song that he um, auditioned with. Is that the right word? I don't know, sure. but like, right away you can hear it, like you, the opening. Mm-hmm. It's very iconic. So yeah, it's pretty. It's it's definitely fir- it's one of the most the first I like I like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I'm just waiting for somebody to come and just like that's anthemic or something oh, like that. That's great. the next one. Oh. <laughs> Maybe. We did get Grant Lawrence at CBC oh, yeah. Radio Three. He did say that Thirds was like an indie rock anthem. Nerdy indie rock anthem. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Totally. That's pretty oh, that's so flattering. Right. Very flattering. Lots <laughs> of flattering things. Yeah. Um, no, that song's. Uh, yeah, it's it's our it's probably our favorite, quite often our strongest to most people. Yeah, um, the closer that we play at shows, it's got a lot of energy, loads of energy. Uh, it's a tune about the relationships people build together. Um, Aw, architects. Oh, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's adorable. Yeah, it's just, just a giant metaphor for like friendships and relationships. Uh, intimate or not um, that people have with each other and how they can build up these tiny little worlds where um, you know people might understand each other in a way that no one else yeah. can understand them individually and whether that's I don't is it appropriate to say like I don't know like your own language and things like that you know in those sort of relationships you know yeah I mean? oh, totally Having having your own language and having like mm-hmm. your own experiences that you can only contribute to that yeah. specific relationship. It's pretty much building your entirely own little world. Yeah. yeah, and then how you can tear that down very easily by accident if you're not careful. That's beautiful. It's a, yeah, it's I just love a big that. metaphor. Mm-hmm. It's very relatable. I think that's probably why mm-hmm. most people tune into it. That's yeah. great. That's awesome. Thanks. Well, thank you so much for coming down and talking to me. Uh, I'm very excited to hear you guys play live at the Goodwill uh, on March 3rd. <laughs> uh, again, it's $10 advance or $12 at the door. Um, this has been Adam Haney and Co. Do you guys have anything you wanted to add before we finish up? I think that was, that was really fun. Thank you yeah, so much for having us. No, no, it that was, uh, this was great. Real pleasure. Not, uh, I haven't gotten a chance to just like sit down and talk about the album for an hour ever. Yeah, so we don't really great. do that many interviews. So oh, this is nice. Wow, I yeah. feel so we had so fun. Lucky then. This yeah. has been great. It's really hot in here, it's but it's, uh, <laughs> it's, so, it's so hot in here. I <laughs> wish you could bring a fan. But then you can get <laughs> yeah. That yeah totally. There's water outside, though, so we can get that awesome. in a second. All right. So everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. If you missed the first half of this show, uh, don't worry. You can either download it on umfm.com or go to www.winnipegmusicproject.com on Friday at 9 8 or 9 a.m. sharp (laughs) and it'll be up Uh, also I will have all the links to your guys' social medias Uh, and if there's an event page for the the show I will include a link there so everyone can find it there so don't worry Um, this has been uh, Winnipeg Music Project on 101.5 UMFM this is Ashley Vianyash and now we're going to be listening to Architects We are grandiose architects Partners in design 
world from scratch We'd create, destroy, rebuild and rejoice But it still doesn't bring us happiness The point is often lost And the passion is there then gone Fickle at Kitchen. 